You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Babylon Project was our last best hope for peace. Well, we're in it now. It failed. In the last few hours, we have learned that warships are coming this way from Earth. Their orders are to seize command of Babylon 5 by force. But in the year of the Shadow War, it became something greater. Our last best hope for victory. My words are inadequate to the burden of my heart. The year is 2260. The place, Babylon 5. And assuming we survive this, how old will you be in a year if you don't want to speak Mimbari? It's like I've always said, you can get more with a kind word and a two before than you can with just a kind word. Please, continue. Only one human can ever survived battle with the Minbari fleet. He is behind me. You are in front of me. You value your lives. Be somewhere else. Hello and welcome to the Epsilon 3, a Babylon 5 rewatch podcast. Each week we review an episode of the 1990s sci-fi TV classic Babylon 5. This week, season 3, episode 17, War Without End, part 2. I'm Paul. I'm Dan. I'm Sean. And And we we are are the the Epsilon Epsilon 3. And the synopsis. The mission to send Babylon 4 where it is needed continues. Sinclair's destiny is revealed. Sheridan sees what will happen to Centauri Prime in the future. And Zathras explains who the One is. Written by JMS and directed by Mike Vijar, this episode was released on May 20th, 1996 and takes place on December 24th, 2278, in 2254, in July 2258, and on December the 19th, 2260, on August the 12th, 2260, and in 1260? I suppose it would be. Right. Okay, I think we just about covered it. Guest stars. Tim Choate as Sathras, Ken Broadhurst as Major Krantz, Cousin Brucey Morrow as Babylon 4's first officer, Kevin Fry as Centauri Guard, uh, Eddie Mew, Eddie Mui, let's go with that, uh, as Babylon 4 Tech, uh, Michael O'Hare as Ambassador Jeffrey Sinclair. Uncredited are Bill Blair as Alien, Melissa Gilbert as the voice of Anna Sheridan, um, Lee Huff as Neuron Cadet. Uh, William Morgan Shepard as the Soul Hunter, uh, who basically these are all flashbacks, and John Vickery as Naroon. So, Sean, uh, part two. What did you think of part two as compared to part one? Uh, I also enjoyed it immensely. I was glad to see the exciting conclusion of this episode. Uh, we, we get uh, all the future Centauri stuff. We get to see Major Krantz back again, and he looks like the same exactly like he did two years ago i didn't think any of that was archived footage some of it was obviously but he looks the exact same so that was cool uh it was it was just awesome i I loved it 
Yeah, Dan? Yeah, exactly. Uh, you get to see the future. So now Sheridan can kind of see the fallout of his actions on what might be coming up later in the war. Uh, so even though they've ended one story, there's still more to see. So he keeps the intrigue going and, and Straczynski is, is making sure that even though this may have been intended as the last ever episode, there's still more intrigue to come. Um, you get to find out a little bit more about why Mimbari society is uh, structured into threes, you know, a tie-in that I was not expecting. You get little flashbacks. They even redeemed Soul Hunter. I mean, they brought it in just to be part of this, even though it's a terrible episode. Um Oh, if they can redeem a bad episode, it's got to be a good episode. And it ends the story. It's part two of a two-parter. So it may even do better than my relating last time. And there was very little wiggle room from last time. So there you go. Yeah, we get to see, although it is part two of The War Without End. Hang on. <laughs> and and they end, they show the end of the war. No, it does actually show that the war doesn't, war doesn't really end. It continues. And I, I mm-hmm. like that idea. I don't like the idea of never ending war, but I'd like the idea of what they said is war does not end. There's always war. So carrying on from last week's episode, uh, War Without End Part 1, Malari is going to kill Sheridan for abandoning the Centauri after the war with the Shadows. But like a proper bad guy, he tells him why in a short speech, but we'll do it later. On Babylon 4, they have detected the destruction of the bomb that was about to destroy them, but don't know what it was. Meanwhile, it's a warp core. It did look like a warp core, yes. It really did. It's Voyager's warp core. That's all it is. (laughs) Oh, no, that would have been a real good time travel story, wouldn't it? If Voyager had gone back in the year of hell, was it the year of hell where they got? Yes. Yeah. Dropped the warp core and then found another one floating around. So they picked that up. And this warp core is now floating around and nearly destroys Babylon 4. There's two shadows in two different ships. Like they're screeching at each other. It's like, well, we found over here. Oh, I think it's from another franchise. What? We're going to take it. Oh, it looked at work as a really good bomb. And all they can hear on the comms is, <laughs> that's it. Uh, meanwhile, Ivanova and Marcus are inside Babylon 4 searching for an access panel when Marcus disappears and two security good. guards arrive. That was great. Suddenly, mm-hmm. Marcus reappears and they both defeat the guards. Marcus doesn't believe in luck, but hey, presto, they find the panel they were looking for. I was hoping for Ivanova to give him a slap around the face. You just buggered off. <laughs> yes. You bastard. <laughs> yeah. Sheridan is in his cell when suddenly he ke- keels over in pain. Meanwhile, Zathras has found himself in a hole when suddenly a vision of Sheridan in pain appears and drops something on the floor. Sinclair's progress is halted by a maintenance crew doing some welding, as that always looks more spectacular on TV than a bit of plumbing or electrical work, so he contacts Ivanova to clear the place out first. Just then, Delenn feels someone walk over her grave. And then Ivanova sets off a general alarm for a whole breach to distract the workers. Sheridan, still in pain, is joined in his cell by Delenn. The lighting is not that good in the cell, so it's hard to see that this is future Delenn. This is probably why Sheridan doesn't spot it right away. They both understand in the end. Her Sheridan has been different since the White Star attack, and Sheridan does not know what has happened in the intervening years. For example, they have a son, David. They are taken to Malari, who has a lot, who's had a lot to drink. This is in order to make the symbiont attached to his neck fall asleep, so it cannot see what Malari has planned. He tells them that there is a ship behind the, uh, the palace, which they can use to escape. In exchange, they must promise to save the Centauri people from their oppressors. When they leave, Jakar appears with a patch over his left eye. Hmm. That's something that hasn't happened yet, but could in the future. 
Malari tells him, You will excuse me if I do not stand. I have had considerable to drink. It is the only way that we can be alone. We do not wish to wake it. Wake what? Then you do not know. You cannot see it while it is awake. We all have our keepers, you see. They end up killing each other, and they are found by Veer. We have unfinished business between us, Jakar. Let us make an end of it quickly before it stops me. I am as tired of my life as you are. Well, that, that ties great. that up, doesn't it? Yeah. That's the whole so uh, Lady Morella uh, prediction or whatever she was. Exactly, yeah. I think one, that's the right character. One of you must die before mm. the other can become emperor. Yeah, yes. there it is. Do you think Via may have let Jakar in through the back door? Mm-hmm. No, no, it was pre-planned. Uh, yeah, it looked like Londo knew he was there and... Uh, well, yeah, yeah. But it's it's nice to think that Veer could have possibly uh, mm. double-crossed yeah. Londo for all the uh, <laughs> heartache that he gave him over the years. Yeah. <laughs> Sheridan is on his way to the ship when he is dragged back to the present with Delenn's warning in his ears. Do not go to Zahadoom. <sighs> he reappears in a blue spacesuit as Zathras has fixed the time stabilizer and is using the power supply from the suit. Sheridan and Sinclair, using their suits, take a walk outside the station. They fix the time jump system to the outside and activate it. The station disappears and reappears four years later. The exact time it appeared in Season 1, Episode 20 of Pablo 5. Hmm, okay. But Sheridan has disappeared again, as, it was, as he wasn't in that episode. That's true. Then Delenn is affected by the tachyon field. It is a time flash, and she has a vision. She sees someone, but is dragged back to the present. Sorry, future present right no wait hang on Uh, i'll get this right babylon 5 is set in the future and they have all traveled to their past to send babylon 4 back 900 years to the past which is still the future but then the station is sent four years into the future which is still in the future as is set in 2258 which is when delenn has a vision which could either be in her future or her past which is in our future i think where are those paracetamols (laughs) anyway sheridan arrives and he is looking a lot older this is because two years in the past which is our future sinclair and garibaldi had entered babylon 4 without any time protection and coming back again in their future which is our future is making him older the closer to the present which is our future he gets that is why he did not want garibaldi along with him as this would affect him as well zathras tries to fix the time stabilizers to get sheridan back again Ivanova tries to hurry him along. No, 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 not good. No. Come on, come on. Find what you need and let's get out of here. We're running out of time. Cannot run out of time. There is infinite time. You are finite. Zathras is finite. This is wrong tool. No, no, not good. No, no, never use this. Which I think was a good bit of improvising there. I think they cut, they kept the scene going because he just kept talking. Mm-hmm. That's what it looked like. 
Yeah, I like that. When people say you're running out of time, no, 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 time is infinite. It, it is us that is finite. <laughs> <laughs> Linear detects seven ships approaching the station. It's Sinclair and Garibaldi from the future, as this is their past, but it's Sinclair's present and our future. Just then, Zathras is apprehended by Babylon 4 security. There is a great mix of past and present footage, which is set in our future, where present Ivanova is hiding in the background, while future past Major Krantz and future future Garibaldi and Sinclair talk to each other. Delenn sees the figure arrive in a blue suit, and present Zathras is interviewed by future Garibaldi and Sinclair, then the not the one speech is replayed from season one and makes sense. <sighs> not the one. Not the one what? Yeah, not the one. Won't talk. Can't talk. Not the one. They told me. They did. Zathras listens. He does, yes. Zathras listens and does what he is told. Which it does. They beautifully marry, you know, marry these two things together. Oh, where yes. you, mm-hmm. you see it all happening, he ends up in the cell, and then we know what happens in the cell because we've had this before. Zathras won, but oh, no, no one listened to poor Zathras, no. A great war, but great hope of peace. Need place, place to gather, to fight, to organize. You need Babylon 4 as a base of operations in a war, is that it? Oh. To help save galaxy on the side of light. So they tell me. Must have, or it is the end of all. The one leads us. The one tells us to go. We go. And then he gets out of the cell using old footage. And then the blue-suited figure appears again, and it's all brilliantly, brilliantly, you know, married together. Uh, you see them walking in the corridor as well, and Ivanova's in the background, but of course she's in the in the season three background, and the people walking in the corridor are season one uh, footage. It's just brilliantly done. It's just like Trouble with Tribbles, where you see things in mm. the background that you know were in the previous episode. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, it's a fabulous piece of work. The writing, the editing, the forethought, it's all phenomenal. The blue-suited figure arrives as in the original episode, and Sinclair touches it and flies back through the air, knocking over lots of, loads of boxes. While everyone is concerned about Sinclair, Zathras gives the stabilizer to the blue-suited figure, who then disappears. Marcus finds Sheridan, who has reappeared due to the uh, new time, sta- time stabilizer, uh, so that's who that was then, I assume, was the blue suited figure. And uh, uh, yeah, whatever. So who is that outside in the blue suit then? Yeah, of course, it's Sinclair who's returned to Babylon 4. The blue suited figure finds Zathras, who says he knew he could trust the one. Who takes off the helmet to reveal Delenn. Yeah, that, that was confusing. It is. It was very confusing. There's so many blue-suited figures, and you're trying to remember which one is where. It turns out there's like three of them, but there's only really two suits. One's just hopping between time. In fact, there could only be one suit, as far as I could see. I mean, I just don't know where these two blue suits have come from. But anyway, mm. it is really hard to watch, and the second time I watched it, I think I just about got it. <laughs> uh, the station disappears as the future ships leave. 
Sinclair tells the crew of the White Star that he will take Babylon 4 back 900 years, uh, as he has done this already, as his letter proves. His whole life has been leading up to this. Zathras tells them that Delenn is the one. He tells us all what he knows in this clip. Zathras, something I don't understand. You said you followed the one, but the one you pointed to was... Was Delenn. <laughs> yes, Zathras knew. Zathras, his oldest living caretaker of great machine. 110 years old. <laughs> Zathras has studied the great machine. Knows things even draw does not know yet. Which is basically, it's all about threes. And I know you. And I know you. And I know you. Hmm. All Minbari believe is around three. Three castes. Worker, warrior, religious. Three languages. Light, dark, Grey, the nine of the Grey Council. Three times three. All is three. Three is the magic number. As you are three. As you are one. As you are the one. Hmm. You are the one who was. You are the one who is. You are the one who will be. You are the beginning of the story and the middle of the story and the end of the story. They leave Sinclair behind with Zathras and go home. That creates the next great story. Ah. In your heart, you know what Zathras says is true. Go now. Zathras' place is with the one who was. We have a destiny. Delenn tells us that Sinclair is not just Sinclair, or Entelzar, or Ranger One, or the One. Lanier told you that a thousand years ago, human and Minbari souls began to merge. And Bari's souls were being born in human bodies. Something happened that opened that door between us. My change was in part to even the scales and restore balance between our races using a device my people discovered a thousand years ago. You see, if my people had found Babylon 4 with a human aboard, they would never have accepted it. Dear God, a Minbari not born of Minbari. He is, of course. I welcome you and present this place to you as a gift. I am called Valen, and we have much work ahead of us. In Valen's name, let's play a promo for another podcast right here on the ESO Network. In the mood to listen to some geeky conversations? Feel like the internet isn't the best place for an in-depth, respectful exchange of ideas? 
Then head on down to the 42 Cast. It's a weekly show that covers a new geeky topic in comics, TV, movies, literature, or video games every week. We can be informative. Back in my day, kids, Pluto was a planet, so it's gonna stay a planet. <laughs> Irreverent. You learn so much from the X-Men. I mean, really. That Wolverine is the most important character no matter what. Strange. It's like, you know, Grodd if he went into theology or something. Right? Or controversial. I believe and I will swear to my dying day that the Marvel Cinematic Universe began with Howard the Duck. Find us on Stitcher Radio, iTunes, 42cast.com, or esopodcast.com. It's the 42cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. So, on to the trivia. The blue, uh, the blue spacesuit was on board the Discovery in 2001, a space odyssey, which I think we mentioned in the first season in 1968. And in 2010, that's 2001 and 2010, uh, and the year we made contact, 1984, but was never used there. So it's been, it appeared in two of the films, three of the films. Uh, Zathras's line, you're the one who was, was later one of the phrases featured in the opening sequence of Babylon 5, season 5. Imagine that. Hmm. <laughs> uh, I I didn't see this, and I've watched it twice. And I was I was supposed to be looking out for it the second time, but at twenty seven minutes and nine seconds into the episode, I suppose that's when if you've got DVDs, I don't know when this is. When Marcus tells Ivanova that it is a good idea to adjust the power settings from CNC, uh, the Babylon uh, on Babylon Four, his mouth doesn't move. <laughs> He's using that. I'm in the box. I'm in the box. <laughs> Voice. <laughs> At 22.24, Babylon 4 First Officer tells Major Krantz there are nearly 2,000 workers aboard and that evacuation is necessary. In Babylon 5, uh, Season 1, Babylon Squared, uh, Major Krantz told Commander Sinclair that Babylon 4 had a skeleton crew of 1,200, maybe 1,300 that needed evacuation. Mm. Oops. Mm. Got a few more people on there. Just there didn't, is actually... Didn't count, didn't count them, you know, yeah. the construction workers. Yeah. Mm. yeah, that's it, the workers, yeah. Yes. I did, there is actually a paragraph of all of the inconsistencies. I'm not going to read them out. It's not worth mm. it. it. It's you know, it's too good an episode to try and ruin like that. Mm. Ivanova's handprint on the hand scanner in CNC shouldn't have given her authorization. I don't know why. Uh, I suppose it's Babylon her, 4. Because so. that's not her station. And... Uh, she's not on Babylon 4. She's on Babylon 5. Yeah. She'd, be, she'd be too young. She wouldn't have joined... Like you know, there isn't like a generic code for officers, but she would mm. be too young She'd for Babylon Five to have. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe she I did. Maybe she accessed that panel. Maybe she accessed the panel and gave herself. Uh, let's, go, let's go with that. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah, that sounds good. So, Sean, any Star Trek connections? Uh, well, kind of. Uh, of course, there's there's Kevin Fry again from last week who plays the Centauri Guard, and he was in a couple uh, Star Trek fan films. But really, the the only uh, new-ish Star Trek connections, as opposed to last week, uh, is the archival footage of John Vickery, who played Naroon. And of course, he was uh, in Star Trek The Next Generation uh, as Andrus Hagen in Night Terrors. He was Gal Rusat in three episodes of Deep Space Nine. And he was Prosecutor Oric in the Enterprise episode Judgment. Uh, and then, of course, William Morgan Shepard, who was the Soul Hunter. We talked about him in our first regular episode, I believe it was. Uh, he played Dr. Ira Graves in Next Generation's Schizoid Man. Uh, he was the Klingon commander in Star Trek VI. 
He was Katai in Voyager's episode Bliss, and he was the Vulcan uh, science minister in Star Trek 2009. Wow. Okay. Mm. So, moving on to our ratings. Um, IMDb gave this as a 9.4. Last week's episode was 9.2, so it's slightly higher. But still not a, you know, not maxed it out. I haven't got a 10 yet. Hmm. So, Sean, what do you uh, rate this episode as? Well, as everybody knows, we episode, we rate our episodes out of five instead of mm-hmm. ten because it's uh, five jump gates. And uh, I'm going to give it five, just like I did last week, because I love it. It's uh, it's the war without end. It's a two-parter. It wraps it up nicely. And even though there are inconsistencies, I don't give a damn. And uh, <laughs> I just love it. And Zathras is amazing, like I said. And how you mentioned all the editing and the uh, timey-wimey stuff and the, the scenes from the first season. Oh, my goodness. And uh, hello, old friend. It was just, it was everything. And and once again, no Dr. Franklin. So it was great. <laughs> so five. As it should be. Yes. Uh, Dan, what did you, uh, what do you rate this as then? Three simple words. They redeemed Soul Hunter. If any episode <laughs> can do that. That's already on a winner. Uh, yeah, it's the end of the part two. You know, it it's such a good use of old footage, having a pre-planned thing in your head of how the episode was supposed to go. Conversations that didn't mean anything weeks and months and years ago in the past all mean something now. Um, the whole Zathras was, is and will be. Uh, the rule of three for Mimbari. Everything just makes sense. And this episode has Jakar, which obviously elevates it. Um, you know, he may be missing an eye, but he is still fantastic. And he gets to, you know, finally do what he's wanted to do for years yes. and kill Malari. Um, and the whole Malari having the the thing, the symbiont on his side and it's taking hold of him and seeing how he's trying to get past it by drinking alcohol, which is something he's been doing for years as well that we've been watching and didn't realize that's his superpower. That's the only way he can save the day is by getting drunk. Um, just brilliant. Uh, so, of course, it is a complete five out of five. Excellent. Good to hear, because that's exactly what I'm going to give it. Five out of five. It, it, I, again, I was sat here thinking, I know all day I've been thinking, is there any reason I cannot give this the maximum 10? It's perfectly written. It is, um, without doubt, superbly edited um, to mm. get the old footage, the new footage, um, to, to like you say, the, the forethought, the pre-planning in season one to have these scenes filmed and then to use them and put them into the story later on. Um, it may be something that is actually maybe easier than you think because you could write the story, chop it up, move it around, and then just fit it into various places as and when you need it. But to have already filmed it and still have the same actors available, and the you know, frightening thing is they, they may not have got... Um, Michael O'Hare back in again, uh, or somebody mm. else may have passed away. I mean, it, we found out Tim Choate passed away at the age of 50. I mean, you know, a motorbike accident of all things, you know, he may suddenly, Zathras disappears, you have to get somebody else in, it doesn't look the same. But the continuity they have of all, all of the actors is is phenomenal. We get to see the future future. We get to see uh, the future past. We get to see, um, you know, Delenn coming up with something that could happen later on. She's talking about Zaha Doom, so there's still things going to happen later on that she's aware of in the future, the you know the the, the very very future, and um, that 
Sheridan isn't aware of yet. You know, don't go to Zahadoom, you, you know, you will die. And then she's saying, don't go to Zahadoom. Um, so it's it, there's loads of still even in this episode where they're tying everything up and it's all putting a line under things. There's still more to come. There's still um, things happening. And this was filmed before Trials and Tribulations. So the idea of Trials and Tribulations, which does look good when you when you see mm-hmm. it, and there are there are still some scenes where you think, "Ooh, it's a bit not quite right there," but you know it it, it works. Um, I think this is slightly better in its imagination and its its use of old footage and new footage. You can't see the seams. There's like mm-hmm. I say, they they walk through a corridor. Um, where Zathras has just been apprehended, and uh, you know they've they've said, "Oh, this guy in the blue suit's you know come out, get him outside." They all walk past, and in the background, there's this door, and that's in the original footage from the early you know, the first season. You then see the door from a you know, a close up, and there's Ivanova hiding behind it. I, I mean, that's just brilliant, uh, brilliant use of old footage uh, like that. So whether um, Trials and Tribulations got the idea from uh, from Babylon Five because this was aired in November. November the sorry, that was aired in November the fourth, nineteen ninety six, and this was done in May. It was released in May, so uh, and consider the you know, the the original idea was way back when in season one. Mm-hmm. Um, makes you wonder whether Star Trek pinched the idea. Well. Maybe. There's debate that they pinched the whole idea of the space mm-hmm. station show. So, uh, yeah, mm. that's right. Mm. And we never even mentioned the floaty Vorlons at the end with Valen. Yeah. Yes, Valen at the end with the, the, the two, well, but obviously Vorlons. Yes, because because the first time I saw it, I looked up and went, oh, wow, they're two uh, angels. Didn't twig. It was only the second time I watched it. I went, oh, there's two Vorlons there. And and thought, oh yeah, okay, there's two volons. Yeah, the, the actual encounter suits were at the bottom, at the yes. bottom. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh yeah, there's two volons. Next time I didn't see that the first time around. And it was only like half an hour afterwards. I went, oh, hang on, they, it's uh, yes, they're volons out of their encounter suits. Right. Oh yes, totally. Just passed me by <laughs> that one. Yeah. But yes, all good. So yes, a couple, a couple of fantastic the... episodes. Oh, brilliant! Yeah, mm. it was really such uh... really good. Uh, when I reviewed it, um, I uh, I watched it and I thought I'm going to have to watch these again. I have no excuse. I must watch these again because I lose the continuity of it when I'm when I'm reviewing it and, and writing it all down. Uh, I needed to watch it all the way through and you know without interruption, um, which I did. Uh, so yeah, it was such a joy to watch these. <laughs> Weird that I hadn't remembered them from the first time round, but it all makes <laughs> sense. So uh, I'm really happy. It is weird that obviously we've watched these out of order as well. So we watched Walkabout before we've watched these two episodes, and it kind of makes much more sense this way round. Like it, this order is still showing that it's the proper way to watch it. I, do, I don't really see why it should be moved before Walkabout. It, it really doesn't well, make any sense. It, it explains why. Uh... Why Franklin isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he, like... The thing, the thing is, Walkabout would should come out after these two, so therefore mm. you've got interludes and examinations, which he dis- you know, he goes through all the thing yeah. and then goes with Walkabout. Then you would have mm. had these two, and then Walkabout next, which, which the is next a pretty pretty crappy episode away. to end after uh, to to follow these two good ones. 
Yeah, exactly. But but uh, but it is. It's weird. Um, I'm glad we got the two crap ones out of the way, and then we did these because if, mm. can you imagine then um, after all of that, as the, all of you know, the war has, has happened and you know all of that's gone on, and then Garibaldi comes back and then bumps into and bumps into Franklin in there down below with his girlfriend and all this type of thing, and, <laughs> and says, "Oh, you're down here now, are you?" And as though nothing's happened. Mm. So I don't know what uh, the next episode is. Uh, Gray seventeen is missing, so that'll be an interesting one to see if it makes any, any um, uh, mention of what's happened in the past and where it is. But I suppose it would do because mm. it's after walkabout anyway. So yeah, so, yeah. So that's what's next week. Mm. There yes, we go. That's right. So this actually, uh, this is our favorite episode right across the board, all fives, which obviously means our average is five. So it's it's our favorite episodes of of all time. Um, last week's episode got a 4.98 average Ooh. from uh, from us. Uh, so really, it puts us those two as our top two favorite episodes, which you could class as one, really, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, the one, <laughs> not the one, not the one. You see, now this is this the three of us. We have mm-hmm. uh, uh, Dan, who is the one. Uh, will be. Sorry, who will be? Will... Yeah. Sean, yep. who's the one that is now, and I'm the one that <laughs> was. was. <laughs> I was Sorry. one. <laughs> Sorry about that. So on that note, we will we'll leave it right there. Um, thanks very much for listening as I struggle to find my notes and find out what next episode will do with Grace and Team on it. So we shall say, join us again next week where we will be discussing uh, Season 3, Episode 18, Gray 17 is missing. If you have any thoughts on this episode, why not send in some feedback to the epsilon3 at gmail.com. That's three spelled T-H-R-E-E, not the number. Or you can find us on our Facebook page. Just search for the Epsilon 3. Well, if you have any other problems, any other questions at all, just ask. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.